0: Our scripture for this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, eat what's good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. For behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he's glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that the Lord may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn it shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Uh, Father, Father God, in a season where we do, we do a lot of feasting... Um, here you say that if we come to you, uh, we can have the best food, the best drink, uh, we, can be, we can be full, satisfied. And so we open your word now, and we ask that as we open your word, as we sing, as we, we do the work of your people in, in, in worship this morning, um, satisfy us. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Isaiah 55, it's, it's built on, on a promise. And everything uh, builds to verse 12 when Isaiah says, if you take up life with God, you will go out in joy, happiness. And that's, like, that's what we want. I mean, at this time of year, we do a lot of things. Uh, we do a lot of traveling, a lot of uh, feasting, a lot of events, a lot of, we, we're busy. Um, and behind all of it is that we just want to be happy. And we especially want the people around us, our family, our friends, to be, to be happy. And we're, we're so willing to be happy that uh, one of the, the, the top songs right now is, is actually by a guy who uh, has a marshmallow on his head. Um, I don't know if you know the singer-songwriter uh, Marshmallow. Uh, the reason uh, he's called Marshmallow is because he has a marshmallow on his head. Um, but he has a song out right now. It's the number three on the Billboard charts, and it's, it's happier. And the chorus, it's not necessarily profound, um, so don't expect like deep lyrics here, but it's it's simple, and it it captures the fact that we want to be happy. it's 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 just lately, I've been, I've been thinking. Um, I'm not going to sing this. Uh, I want you to be happier. I want you to be happier. And if you watch the the music video, it's it, it, first of all, you're gonna cry, guaranteed. Um, and secondly, it's all the whole thing is about like, We want to be happy, and we want to make other people happy, and and this time of year, that song's resonating so much. It's the number three song on the Billboard um, chart, so all of us want that. We want to be happy. We want joy, Um, and yet, like, how many of us, uh, how many of us have it? Like, not moments of, like, happiness or moments where we feel pretty good, but like a lasting, persistent, solid joy. Like, how many of us actually have that? And that's what Isaiah is saying. He's saying, "Take up life with God, and you will you will go out in joy. You will have a life of a life full, a life content, a life of of joy." And he does this. He talks about this in a number of ways. And I want to I want to unpack what he's saying, kind of in three ways with joy. That joy is is, is inclusive. Joy is exclusive. And joy joy is a crown. It's inclusive, it's exclusive, and it's, it's a crown. But before, uh, before I jump into the text, I do want to make a, a, a disclaimer, which is that whenever, uh, whenever I've heard joy preached on in the church context, oftentimes the preacher or the Christian, like, it makes a strong distinction between joy and happiness. Um, but I, I'm, like in biblical categories, that distinction isn't, isn't right, I don't think. The Bible doesn't really draw a distinction between joy um, and happiness, but more between joy and happiness and pleasure. In the Bible, joy and happiness are basically the same thing. It's pleasure that's distinct from that. And actually, that tracks well with uh, um, the researcher of a doctor from the University of California named Robert Lustig. Uh, He recently wrote a book called The Hacking of the American Mind. And and the the primary gist of the book is that uh, our culture, Americans, we've confused happiness and joy with pleasure. And even though he's not a Christian, he actually... He perfectly lays out the distinction Isaiah is making, the Bible makes, between joy pleasure, or joy and pleasure and, and happiness and, and pleasure. And here's how he defines uh, pleasure and happiness. Pleasure, pleasure is, this feels good, I want more. Pleasure is, this feels good, I want more. Happiness is, this feels good, I don't want more. I don't need any more. And we'll talk about that more in a minute but if I'm going to define joy joy is 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 this joy is a settled happiness that I have all I could ever want in God Joy is a settled happiness that I could that I have all I could ever want in in God and I'm I'm going to I'm going to we're going to walk through that this morning but I do want to highlight the fact that like I I believe like as Christians we should have like a settled happiness a settled joy is a key part of our, our disposition. The Christian life, ultimately, it's not, it shouldn't be a drudgery or a furrowed brow until we, we die. Um, joy is a settled happiness that I, I have all I could ever want in, in God. And, and that raises lots of questions, right? Does that mean Christians always have to be happy? They can never be sad, melancholy? We'll, we'll get to all of that. Um, but I, I want to go to the text and where the text takes us. And, and Isaiah starts with the fact that joy is inclusive, um, and you hear that in the initial uh, invitation that's offered. Um, verse 50, or chapter 55, verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, by and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. And so, like, the invitation, it's for everyone. If you're thirsty, like, God is inviting you to himself. If you're hungry, if you're tired, he's inviting you. To himself, If you're poor, if you're broke, if you don't have any money, God is inviting you to Him Himself. And so God, like His invitation to life with Him, to joy, is for everyone. It's, it's inclusive. And I want us to, like, do we actually believe that? <clears throat> like that God wants us to have joy. He wants us to be, to be happy. That, that, that God wants our lives to be marked by this, this feels good and I have, I have enough. I don't need more. I think there's a couple of reasons why we struggle to actually believe the invitation God offers us um, here. Uh, a couple things, and Isaiah gets at both of them. One is that we oftentimes, I don't think we believe God has a life of joy for us because we settle for pleasure. And so verse 2 is really, uh, is really where this gets. And this is a question I think we should, you know, if you, if you have a place where you pray, you should write this down. You should underline these verses in your Bibles. But God asks us a question that's always worth asking ourselves. Which is this, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? That God said, like, here's a feast, come, like, have real food, have um, have the best wine, the best drink, the best food, um, and, and and it's free. And then he looks at us and he says, so if I'm offering you this free feast, why are you exp- expending all your money on Stuff that's not bread. Like, almost like, why are you going to Applebee's and paying them to go pick their dumpster? When I, like, have a feast for you, available um, to you. And Isaiah, he's speaking to an experience we all have, which is that we, we trade in that which is lasting and good for that which is, is fleeting and short, and so back to, to Robert, uh, Robert Lustig for a moment, he, he uh, in his book, The Hacking of the American Mind, he points out that our brains have, have two sensations, um, two chemicals we experience. One is dopamine, one is, is serotonin, and dopamine is, is the quick hit, it's the pleasure, right? Dopamine is, I get dopamine and now I need more, right? It's, it's quick hit, it's, um, it's, it's, it's fleeting, it's, it's fast, uh, whereas serotonin, it's lasting happiness, and Lustig says serotonin equals happiness, uh, serotonin lasts. It's, it's, I have, uh, this feels good. I don't, I don't need more of this. I'm full. Um, and so Lustig points out that one of our problems just in the way our bodies experience life is that Sarah uh, is the dopamine is actually stronger than serotonin, which is why you and I often like settle for quick pleasure as opposed to things we know will make us happy in the long term. We like dopamine, the more you give into it, the more you give into quick pleasure, the harder it is to have serotonin, have lasting, um, happiness. And, and so our brains are wired so that the more short-term pleasure we seek, the more, or the more difficult it's going to be for us to have long-term happiness, long-term joy. So to break this down even more simply, uh, kids, this is why we parents say you can't have dessert until after dinner. Because uh, dessert is dopamine, it's quick hit, it's sugar, right? It's, it's This feels good, uh, but I'm going to need more of it very soon. I'm going to be hungry very soon. Um, and so if you eat sugar before your dinner, you ruin um, your, your, your dinner. And that's how, uh, that's, that's why we say no dessert until after dinner. But kids, here's the deal. Every time, uh, uh and parents go with me for a minute, but kids, every time you are, your parents pick up our phones, we are having desserts before dinner because uh, like companies know, uh, that we want dopamine more than serotonin. We want quick hits of pleasure more than lasting happiness. And so they des- this whole, the device we hold in our hand is designed to, to need, for you to need more of it. Right, it's so why Facebook it measures your likes, your friends, your views. Right, it's all. This is all very intentionally designed uh, to, to, to us to go back to our phone again and again and again because dopamine is I. I this feels good, but I need more. Um, your phone's not built on on serotonin. It's built on quick hits, quick uh, pleasures. And so, what God's saying in Isaiah fifty-five is is stop, stop settling for for pleasure, for moments. And come to me for a feast. Come to me for something lasting. And it's why, uh, and I really believe this as a pastor, I, I think the biggest challenge to our faith, to us being Christians today, to us knowing God and having the joy he has for us today, it's not... It's not, you know, our, the, the fact that our culture views the world very differently than us. It's not, um, you know, really bad movies that come out. I, th- I think the greatest threat to our faith um, are, like, phones and streaming services. Because what they offer is pleasure at the expense of lasting joy. Like, you and I, like, I could be entertained for the rest of my life just what's on Netflix right now. for Like, for hours and and the only way we'll ever come to the feast is if we put down that which is not bread <laughs> and stop spending our money on that which does not satisfy. And God makes very clear uh, this is for all of us. So joy, it's, it's inclusive, but we settle for pleasure. That's one. Uh, but the second is we often, uh, we just, do we actually believe God wants us to be happy? Do, like, we don't believe this invitation, we don't believe God. Right that how many of us are convinced God wants us to have a life full of of joy or how many of us like we God, we think God's out to get us and he's he's angry at us he's frustrated with he has the list of everything we've ever done wrong and every time we go to pray to him he gets out the list he's like well, we got to talk about this or like how many of like think God is is happy and wants us to and wants to share that joy and happiness with us or that God is is arms crossed for a brow, always disappointed in us and I want to let Isaiah 55 undo that a little bit um, with us. That first, in verse seven, um, the message translates this really well. So God says, "Like, listen, you're you know you're you're picking through the dumpster at Applebee's, and I've got a feast." And, he, he, and yet He says, in light of that, uh, verse seven. This is the way the message translates um, this verse: Let the wicked let the wicked abandon their way of life, the evil their way of thinking. Let them come back to God who's merciful. Come back to God who is lavish with forgiveness. Like how many of us think like God is lavish with forgiveness? Like do we, do you actually think that's true of God, or like do you have to earn His forgiveness? Do you have to do you have to earn your way with Him, or do you believe He's lavish with forgiveness? That's one place it's clear that God want like this invitation to joy is is for everyone. The other is is in the first two verses, um, God says to us to come to Him three times. Uh, the English actually has it four times, but that's, that's not the, the best translation. The first word, actually, of this, of this passage, uh, in chapter, uh, v- verse 1 of chapter 55, is, is actually a, like a word of exasperation. So it starts not with God saying, come, uh, all who are thirsty. It actually starts with him saying, "Ah, oh, everyone who's thirsty. And then three times he says, come, <laughs> come, everyone who's thirsty. come to the waters, come by and, and eat and in the Hebrew language, um, when something was repeated twice, it was meant to be like a very, an emphasized, like you, like, here, like you need to take this seriously. This, this, this matters. Um, repetition is really important in the Hebrew language. And occasionally you'll get a, a three times repeated um, command or address. And that, that's like, you know, that's like not just like, like this is like majorly important. And three times God looks at us and says, come to me. Come to my feast. Come to the waters. Three like that. This is for everyone. God is not withholding His. He's not. He's not looking at you saying, "You know, I'm not sure about, about you." Joy is inclusive. It's for everyone. That's 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 first. What's here, um, but second is is the joy is is exclusive. And at the end of the day, like there are only two ways to pursue happiness, to pursue joy in life, and that there's God, and there's everything else. Right, either you're finding your jeep, you're like the lasting happiness and joy you want in life through God, or it's through anything else. There's not. I think we try to like combine those things, but there's not. It's God. It's most important. The most important thing about you, or it's any. It's anything else. And so again, I define joy. Joy is a settled happiness that I have. All I could ever want in God, and so that that all I could ever want in God. That's like that means joy is exclusive. The only way. I'll ever get to a place of real joy is if I believe that everything I ever could want I have in God is true. And that's why after like, God gives this very inclusive uh, invitation to everyone to come to his feast, the next thing he says in verse 6 is, <clears throat> all right, come to my feast. Here's what it looks like. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. To seek the Lord. And the one reason why um, I think joy is difficult for us, or why we don't experience the joy of the Lord, is because we don't, we don't seek him. And I, I've been thinking a lot about this, what this, what this phrase means, because it's all over the Bible, to seek the Lord. Um, and I could, I could preach for a long time about that, but I want to say two things about what this means when, in the Hebrew language, people are to seek the Lord, what that means. And the first is is that seeking is is listening. That when um, so God looks at us like we're you know we're we're buying cheap food that doesn't satisfy, and He says, "Stop, come to Me instead." And then verse two, He says a couple of things. Um, actually, verses two and three, He says, "Listen diligently to Me. Eat what's good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, come to Me. Hear that your soul may live." So to God, like listening is really important. In this phrase, incline your ear, what it means, uh, literally the, the word is to bend down towards. So it's, it's, you know, when you listen to someone well, you, you, be, like, you lean in, right? You, you get closer to them. And, and what Isaiah is saying is if you want the joy of the like, you have to lean, like, you have to listen. You have to incline, you have to bend down and listen to what he's, he's saying. And, and the reason for that is because it's in verses 8 and 9. The reason why you and I have to to listen to the Lord is this. Uh, For God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The reason we have to listen to God is because God, like he sees the world completely different than you and me. And if that's true, and he thinks things that we don't think, and he has ways that we don't have, like, we're really going to have to pay attention um, to him. And if you seek God, if you do the work of listening to what he said, of of especially reading his scriptures, he is going to say things that are offensive to you, that that offend our cultural sensibilities, right? Because the only other alternative to that is that means that we read the Bible and God agrees with us about everything, which feels more problematic. And I mean, like, so we're going to, if you, you have to listen to the Lord, because he does not think what you think, and he does not live the way that you live. And the only way you're actually going to change your thoughts to his thoughts, change your ways to his ways, is, is, is bending your ear to is listening um, to him. He does not see the way that the world, the way that you and I see the world, and we need to listen um, to that. So seeking is listening, bending our ways, our thoughts to his ways and thoughts. But secondly, seeking is, it's pursuit. And one of the, the probably the, 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 the most like uh, uh, well-known passage where it, we're told to seek the Lord is Deuteronomy 4.29. And Moses is speaking to Israel as they're going into the promised land. And he says this about seeking the Lord. Um, he says, but from there you will seek the Lord, your God, and you will find him. If you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. And if, you, uh, if you want joy... In God, it's, it's, it will take tremendous effort on your part. I know, like, that sounds, like, contradictory to all of point one, which is, well, hold on, like, isn't joy for everyone? And God invites you to the feast, and you just have to go, and it's grace, and if you just come to God, it'll all get easy from there. And the Bible never, it does not say that. Rather, its invitation to us is to seek the Lord. And remember, the, the command of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, that Jesus said, this is the most important thing. It's not just, hey, feel good things about God and think about Him occasionally. Um, no, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. But start, you have to love God with all your strength, all your soul, all your heart, all your everything in you has to love the Lord. It's the same thing Deuteronomy 4 is saying, seek the Lord with all your soul and with all your strength. And we have a saying here, we say grace, it's not, it's not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Right? So what I'm not saying is if you want to earn God's love and attention, you have to be a really good person and try really hard. No, what I'm saying is if you want, life with God is not easy. His grace, his salvation is because it's it's free. But if you want to know God and know life with God and know his joy, it takes work. It takes effort. Uh, think of it like, like this. A couple, uh, a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I found myself... Uh, at the lowest point a man um, can feel or can get uh, to, which is I was watching the Santa Claus 2. <laughs> and I don't know if you... Uh, Santa Claus 1, it's a great, it's worth your time. Go watch it. Uh, so in the Santa Claus 2, uh, here's the plot. Um, you know, it was, it was a Wednesday night. I was done with, you know, nothing. kids were in bed. I turn it on, and, you know, 10 minutes in, I realized the plot is this, is there's a clause with an E. Yeah, there's one person like, oh, I get the pun, yeah. Uh, the clause, there's a clause, um, that if Santa is not married by Christmas Eve, he doesn't get to be Santa anymore, right? And none of you care about that at all, right? <laughs> and neither did I. Like watching this is like the worst fifteen minutes of movie making I think has ever been created on a screen. And there I am on a Wednesday night watching, um, watching this terrible movie. Um, and the reason, uh, the reason I was doing that is because it was like it was a cheap feast, right? It was it was easy food it's, it was dopamine. It was, um, this is, e- I feel better about this than going and dealing with God in prayer. Right? right. Cause I had, I had scheduled out an evening prayer time um, in that window. Instead of going and praying, it was easier, uh, to sit in front of a screen and just, just, just make it easy for a minute. And, and it's why I said, I know this sounds ridiculous. I actually, I mean this, um, why our phones and Netflix, is, is, it, they're not evil in themselves, okay? I'm not don't hear that. But they're such a threat to us because they encourage cheap feasts at the expense of the work it takes to seek God, to seek the Lord. And you will not navigate your world through or your way through a deeply complex and broken and evil place without seeking very hard after God. You won't. This place is... place. Just encourages a lack of faith and abandoning faith in so many different ways. If you don't continually return back to seeking the Lord, you you'll give up on Him, right? You'll do what Isaiah fifty-five says. Why, why are you watching the Santa Claus too? <laughs> when I, like I want to know you, and I, I have I have food, I have drink, I have real life for you. Don't don't trade me in for something cheap. And At the end of the day, uh, joy is only—it's only found in one place. You can have—you can have pleasure, you can have moments of happiness without God, certainly, um, but you will not have lasting joy without God. It is exclusive. Um, it's only one place to have it, and the reason why I think is, there's only one place to have it—and this may sound strange—but I, I believe God is like the happiest person, happiest being in the universe. Like there is not a being with more joy in His in his very being than God. Just think about, like, who, like, if God created the Kansas sunset, like, do you just imagine a grumpy person making that? Or like, do you imagine the Rocky Mountains? Like some some God's like, you know, I'm bored. I'm just going to make that. Like, you just like, they're only happy, joyful beings would create that. And it's one of the reasons why at the earliest um, the Ju- earliest Jewish and Christian thought was the reason God made the world, made us, you and you and me, like human beings, is not because he was bored. He didn't have anything better to do with his time. It's because he had so much like goodness and happiness and joy within himself that he wanted to create beings to share that with. And our problem is we we traded. The happiest joyful being in the universe who wanted to, to know us and be in a relationship with us. We traded that exclusive path to joy for like for other things, for lesser things. And so joy is exclusive. You will you can get hits, you can get moments, right? Without God, certainly. But you will not get lasting joy and happiness without Him. It only comes from one place. Joy is is it's inclusive, it's exclusive, and finally. Um, joy, joy is a crown, and so again, joy. What I've said, joy is a settled happiness that, that I have all I could ever want in God. And so I want to, I want to go back to the question I started with. So if that's like, if that's true, if Christians should have joy, a settled happiness about us, what like does that mean Christians can never be sad, can never be depressed, can never have a melancholy um, spirit? And the answer to that is, is no. Uh, of course Christians can be sad, melancholy, depressed, and the reason is because we are, not, we are not at the place of joy anymore, right? We live in this in-between season of Jesus has come once, but he's not come back. There's a lot evil and broken and sad and wrong about the world in which we live, and that's why when Isaiah talks about joy, it's not shallow, it's not cheap, it's not, uh, you know, it's, it's not what I think we often think happiness is. It's not pleasure, like, Isaiah's not saying you're going to walk around the world in clad nine at all times. He, he's, but he does say you're, you will have joy. And he talks about joy in two ways. And sort of here, I'm going to expand out now for the, the rest of this sermon and the next week's sermon. We're going to really be, like, I'm talking about all of Isaiah 40 through 66, not just Isaiah 55. And when Isaiah talks about joy in kind of that whole section of Scripture, he talks about it in two ways. One is that joy is, is a song, and he does, that's what verse 12 says, is that you uh, take up life with God, you shall go out in joy, be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And I, I like I like the metaphor of, of joy being a song. Um, I mean, I actually struggled with it first, but I like it. Um, and the reason I struggled with it is, you know, I grew up, I did not like going to musicals. Um, because my personality is not the such that, like, I just expect a song to break out at any point in my life and people to start dancing around me so like the idea of a musical that like people just sing and dance together uh, was just like what no they don't uh, they just sit around and stare at each other in, with, in bad moods like that's my personality and and yet like Isaiah depicts life with him joy with him as like a musical you're going about your life and the hills start singing and the trees start um, clapping and yet seeing uh, it's, it's not a shallow, it's not pleasure. It's not a shallow happiness. Sing, what singing ultimately is, singing is I, I'm so full, like there's, I feel something so deeply that I, I can't just speak it. I, have, I need melody, right? I need, I need an instrument. I need music behind me to express what I'm feeling. And that can either be like the highest of joys and it can be joy through incredible sadness and tears. Like singing hits both of those things. And the experience we, we feel at a good song is, is joy, right? It's, is, whether we're crying or whether we are, we are celebrating. Joy is a song. It's, there's, a, there's a deep, settled uh, fullness in us, whether it comes through tears or whether it comes through laughter. It's both. So joy is a song, um, but secondly, and this is my favorite, um, my favorite metaphor Isaiah uses of joy is the joy is is a crown. And what makes Isaiah so powerful, and what he talks about in joy, in verses forty through sixty-six, is he's speaking to people that have have suffered like incredible. Uh, incredible things. The uh, the people he's writing to had been uh, removed by war and violence of their home uh, from their home in Jerusalem. They're now living in Babylon of a people who's oppressing them and and abusing them, and so they've they've experienced war, death, suffering. And um, we'll talk a lot about that next week. Actually, um, when we talk about the new heavens, and new earth, Isaiah's description of the new heavens, and new earth. Um, so Isaiah, Isaiah does not like he's not like get over it, guys. Like it's not a big deal. No, he like he understands the depth of experience these people have. And so he describes joy as a song and then as a crown. And where the, best, the best place where he talks about joy as a crown is, is Isaiah 51, um, verse, uh, verse 11. Uh, here, uh, what the prophet writes. He says, And the, the ransomed the of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I love that image because, like, how do you get a crown? Like, I obviously don't know because you know we're Americans; we don't believe in that thing. Um, But you know, if you ever watch you know a show on Netflix with people being crowned, right? What do they they kneel? And someone like places it upon their head, right? You in humility, you you lower yourself, and then something is like it's given um, to you, and that's exactly what's happening in Isaiah 51. Is these people have suffered terribly? They're they're on their knees, right? They're they are they're broken. They are weak. And God comes to them and places on their head joy as a crown. It's the image that we're we're given. And so um, what God God is saying through Isaiah is is live for him, live for God, and and joy will be your crown. Right? Eventually. And so if this morning um, joy or happiness is hard, is difficult for you, like I get it, I understand it's going to be hard for all of us at some point in our lives, unless you just live an incredibly lucky life. At some point, joy or happiness is going to be difficult um, for you, and it's why, as Christians, it, we're not we're not never depressed. We're not never sad. We're not never we don't ever have melancholy. As Christians, that, that's not what's true of us is having joy. What's true of us is having joy is we know the, the happiest most joyful being in the universe, and we are on the way that he is on, and the end of that way is, is, is joy placed on our head as a crown. And so whether we feel it this, this morning or not is less important than the promise made to us that it will be ours as a gift, as a crown. And it means if, if we're on that way, we can, whether we experience it to this morning or, or not, we can experience joy in anything we can experience joy or happiness in, in anything, anywhere, any place, because the, the God whom we serve finds joy in anything. And the, the best example of that is Jesus in Hebrews 12. Um, the author of Hebrews writes to us and he says, uh, you know, listen, lay aside everything that's weighing you down, everything that you're clinging to, that you're holding on to for hope, every sin, everything that you, right? All the cheap feasts you're eating, get, like get rid of those things and look to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. And this is the line that's just stunning when you think about it. Who, uh, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. I think of it, like Jesus looked at a cross and saw, like, saw joy in that. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And the, like, the cross is this awful instrument of death and murder and injustice. And Jesus, who was innocent of anything he was charged of, was was killed and murdered innocently and mocked and shamed. And Jesus saw, like, joy in all of that. And if Jesus could see joy in a cross, then you and I, like, we can see joy and we can experience joy in any circumstance because we, like, we know the God who is joy itself, who is happiness itself. And yet that's not, listen, that's not some shallow, that's not pleasure, right? It's It's not shallow. And it's why I want, to, I want to go back, so joy is a crown, it's placed upon our head, but I want to end with the fact that joy is a song, because I think that is, I think that's the metaphor. As Christians, we are so full that we, like, we don't just speak, we, we sing. Joy is a song, and it's one of the reasons why I love uh, this season of the year as a Christian is because I, like, the, the Christians produce the most rich and full songs that we have for Advent. Right, and listen. I I love listening to like the cheap, shallow stuff on the radio too. I'm in for that. But like the the Christmas carols we have this time of year, if you listen to what's there, it is so. It speaks to the depth and uh, and the, the melancholy and sadness and depression we experience as people on this earth waiting for our home, and at the same time, this deep sense of joy. And happiness, and so I want to leave you with what has become my favorite uh, my favorite Advent carol. I'm almost positive none of you've heard of it. I had not heard of it until last year, um, and it's a, it's kind of a strange song. It's called Jesus Christ, the Apple Tree, and it was written by an English priest in the 1700s. and And it actually, it dovetails perfectly with Isaiah 55. And the the heart of the song is is this: is that in Jesus, He's found the best fruit, <laughs> the best life, and yet at the same time, He's Almost ready to give up, and so you go. The whole song goes back and forth between um, Jesus, this perfect fruit that produces joy and happiness, and this is like this is the only thing I have. And so I want to leave uh, with the last three verses of that song. I wish I could sing because I'd l- I'd much rather sing this, but it's a choir song. Go Google it when you get home. Because um, speaking these words can't do them justice, but I'm going to speak them anyway. Last three verses uh, for happiness. I long have sought, and pleasure dearly I have bought. I missed of all, but now I see it's found in Christ, the apple tree. I'm weary with my former toil, here I will sit and rest a while. Under the shadow I will be of Jesus Christ, the apple tree. This fruit doth make my soul to thrive, it keeps my dying faith alive. Which makes my soul in haste to be with Jesus Christ, the Apple Tree. Let's pray, Father. You invite us to um, to eat the best food, drink the best uh, wine, to to be satisfied in full. And yet, a lot of us, Lord, we uh, we just we 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 have bought lesser feasts. And so, um, God, it's so hard to move away from that and move into to a meaningful, rich, good life, seeking after you with all we have. But would you help us, Lord, as, as, we, as we now sing, as we take communion in a few moments, um, God, open our hearts up to the beauty of who you are. And I ask all of this in, in Jesus' name, amen.